Welcome everybody and um, I am, I know I'm always delighted, I am always delighted with my guests, but genuinely delighted, that's not to say I'm not delighted with my previous other guests, but uh, to have a genuine thought leader in his space, I'm um, Seth Mars, all the way from uh, Houston, Texas, uh, from Forrester, where Seth is going to help uh, us and me understand guided selling or as uh, your blog said, supercharging sales with dynamic guided selling and uh seth wrote this back february the february 2020 so just over what, 10 months ago this was written and it really yep. caught my it really caught my eye and my attention um so seth thank you um a bit of you know a bit of your story a bit of background then let's dive into this to see where this uh, this takes us yeah great yeah thanks for having me it's good to be here my, my background is really in in sales operations Customer, customer success. I've been doing that for over 20 years across many different businesses, many different industries. And the role I play at Forrester is really researching in that space. Um, and, the, and the way that our, our part of the business works is you bring in experienced practitioners that work with clients to understand and, and understand what they're going through and be able to provide our expertise support to help them as they go through, but also to research and stay on the cutting edge of what's happening in the market, because that plays a really big role in advising and guiding our clients. Um, in this space, I mean, we call it dynamic guided selling, and the, and, and the reason we call it that is because when I first look back at, at guided selling, if you were to go look on the internet and search, what you would find is two real variants. One would be the guided selling piece, which is e-commerce. <clears throat> and that makes a lot of sense because e-commerce is highly visible, huge transaction volume. There's a lot of this stuff that you could do there. Um, and then you have the other side, which is kind of content guided selling, which is serving up the next piece of content, which I think is a part of this, but not the kind of the biggest part. Um, so the dynamic on the end is really to try to bring forward and say, this is much, much more around putting the rep at the center of what you're doing and taking all the information around them and really using that to help them succeed in closing more deals. And, and weirdly enough, that usually isn't the focus of most of these tools. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, it's it's a really cool space. It's a it's an it's an emerging space. So right now there are not a lot of people that are doing it, and those that are are kind of moving into components around it: sales engagement, revenue intelligence, doing more complex work around how they guide their content. But it is um, to me where things are going, and it and it'll holistically change how you sell. It'll also have a halo effect across forecasting across how you do compensation planning how you do a lot of other things awesome and i know that we were touched on this before we came i always say before we came on air it feels much more crap than it is um when i initially saw it and for my listeners they, they know my frustrations with um you know social selling has now lost all meaning from what it originally was intended um you know way back when you have modern selling digital selling this type of selling and i thought oh goodness here we go um another research paper with you now which is guided selling or dynamic guided selling in front of yeah. it when when I started to, you know, read your your thought process and the fact that it is bringing in that that B to C slash e-commerce kind of learning and behaviour, 
into B2B sales. And I can see this working across any B2B organization that is selling a products and services across all, all industries. I was like, you know what, this is, this is right. This is this is where this is going because I I see is what's happening in sales full stop. It's just the consumerization, if you will, of the sales process. Because I know it's glib, I know it's cliche, but the Amazon the Amazon effects, the Uber effects, but they've set a certain bar okay. and expectation of what a good customer client journey should should be whatever whether those touch points are digital or physical and we come back into you know face-to-face -face sales or whatever the future of that 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 looks like and there's this weird thing that in the corporate space we cross that corporate threshold and this was you know even pre-covid and we seem to default to what we were doing 20 years ago because oh yeah. we work in a corporate space because that's shopping and that's corporate so what do you, what have you seen through your research or what do you believe has been the trigger to start to shift this mindset and thinking that there's actually a better way of doing this i mean you touched on it uh it i mean as a buyer as a consumer you're seeing a much better process right and and you're experiencing experiencing a much better process and it is true you go b to c and you get all these bells and whistles this level of service that is at i mean it's significantly better than what you see on the on the b2b side and that has started to change buyers are no longer allowing that to happen and they're becoming less tolerant of it so if you look at how sales has evolved, sales has evolved, let's not say sales, the buyer has evolved mm -hmm. over time. They used to, there were, I mean, if you go back and look at what we used to talk about around how buyers bought, it was marketing took it to this point, handed over sales, sales would close it. That is not how it works today. Today, buyers go wherever they want to go. They use the sales rep as a cog in, in that chain, a very important one mm -hmm. to be able to determine what they, to, to pull them in whenever they want to. So they're starting to pull that requirement, that B2C requirement into B2B and not accepting that lesser level of service. Also, the, digit, the digitization of a lot of this stuff is really allowing them to do that pretty freely. I mean, we're seeing a significant drop in the contact points that you have with buyers and sellers. That's still incredibly important, but they're less. So when we start talking about, you know, focus on the buyer, we talk about a lot of these concepts that are coming out around revenue engine alignment. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is, that's not talked about very much is that if you want to serve a buyer in the B2B space, like you serve a, a buyer in the B2C space, marketing and sales have to be hand in hand. You have to be able to go to market together because that buyer is, is going in and out of marketing and sales. That handoff doesn't happen. That handoff happens doesn't happen once. It happens 20 times throughout the buying process and it happens at the will of the buyer. So if you're not aligned in that scope, you look really bad in that your digital communications to that buyer become very different to your in-person communications from the from the seller. So that's caused a huge change. Um, that digitization as well has made a lot of things visible. So you'll hear a lot of, you know, it, you'll see a lot of salespeople that'll push back on it saying, I can't see as much, I don't get as many as much time with my clients. Mm -hmm. Truth is, 
if you looked across the, the hall at the marketing team, all the intent data that's being generated from all the work that these sales teams or that these buyers are doing the research, yeah. probably more visible than you've ever been able to see it. It just needs to be aggregated, pulled in and derived into insights for the rep to be able to use to sell better. And that's where a lot of dynamic guided selling comes in is being able to pull those insights together, internal, external, mm -hmm. to give them things to help them in the deal and to help them progress the deal. Um, the part that's really started to make this go faster, even with all these things that were in motion is obviously COVID-19 because yeah. now the, the digital space has become a reality. I mean, I, I think we don't believe that things are gonna go back to the way they were. They just they just aren't. And one of the reasons, the main reasons for that is you digitize the buying experience with, with now doing teleconferencing and video conferencing. Mm -hmm. That's not gonna go away. It's not like it's gonna, it's, it, it, it will dip. You'll do less of it and you'll start to augment that with in-person meetings. But buyers are now comfortable doing video conferencing. Sellers are getting comfortable doing video conferencing. It's now it's it's now for those progressive companies a tool in your tool belt mm -hmm. to go interact more with clients and and from a sales operations standpoint, it's a chance to add a, another piece of information into kind of your data set to understand how do I optimize the way a seller sells, what works, what doesn't, and take that information and aggregate it and use it to make everybody better. Similar to the way you've seen, you know, with, with some of the, the sales engagement space cadences, yeah. um, which is kind of more at the forefront of what's happening um, because they have been able to optimize those. Now that's, that's coming full circle. And that's why you see a lot of these companies investing in conversational intelligence. Yeah, the, the conversational intelligence is uh, is is scary, and it's it's. I was reading a piece. The no, it's not scary. I think it's fascinating at, at, at the same time. You look at Clubhouse in terms of how that's blown up in terms of voice, the whole separate uh, conversation. But to your point around, you know, will we go back to to normal? There's a piece that McKinsey released at the end of last year, where I think they surveyed like three and a half thousand um, buyers of services, etc. And it was like 15% of those respondents said they'd be happy to spend in excess of a million bucks on a product or service in a virtual slash end-to-end self-serve environment and it's back to the point uh, you know we were talking about earlier the consumerization of the, the the buying process our risk tolerances are also getting higher because you and i can now buy a house without actually talking to a human being we could you know i'm looking at getting a new car and it's likely that we'll go through volvo and it's likely i'll go yeah, through yeah. volvo subscription service I will no longer, I'll never buy, you know, you bought a car historically on, on higher purchase, but that was a big down payment. You're locked in for three years. Now Volvo, okay, yeah, this is gonna cost you more on a monthly basis, but you can walk whenever you want. You're covered in this and that. And it's just, if I'm happy to do that, then I'm of course I'm gonna be happy to spend $100,000 on a software system without necessarily talking to a rep. Yeah. If the buying experience and the journey that guides me to make that right decision, I'm probably going to, you know, get a referral. You know, Seth, I know you've got that system. Is it any good? What would you do? And and, and that kind of thing. And I, I've all, and I've been in sales since year dot. I'm, you know, 20, 100 cold calls, ex recruiter, and we we were always told, make sure you enable the purchase. Don't give them a reason not to buy. <laughs> That's typically where sales processes fall down. You've given them a reason to not do something versus to do something. Yeah. The, 
What I get when I'm talking to organisations, and we said I'm primarily professional services, so consulting firms and law firms and, and so on, who are nowhere near where a you know a, a, a tech SaaS sales players, where you've got a sales officer or an outreach, that kind of technology support and that sales ops and sales enablement. It's like, yeah, but we 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 haven't got the data to do that. Or oh, that's that's too difficult. Or technology doesn't you know doesn't exist to support us in 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 all of that so how, how what is out there to, to do this is what we're talking about could you and i if we were doing this from scratch actually do, do this and then it's around how does one have to change their processes to meet the new world order of what the buyer expectations are well i, I mean i don't think there's very many tech non-tech companies that are doing this holistically and, okay. and a lot of that a lot of that comes from the fact that many of these vendors, like a content vendor versus an intent vendor versus a sales engagement versus revenue intelligence, all quoting tools, all of those vendors are competing for, to be the face of the, of the, that, to be that pane of glass in front of the, the, the buyer or the seller. Yeah. In the end, only one of them will be, but the, the, I don't see many companies that are able to do that because High tech companies have just as bad of data issues as as, um, as as companies that wouldn't be necessarily in that space, especially when you're talking about aggregating together and analyzing all, all at once. <clears throat> the good thing that 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 we're seeing, and, and what I would say, like true dynamic guided selling, we aren't there yet. Like the, the technology pieces are all there, but there's no aggregator. Like people will talk CRM as an aggregator, it's not. It's more an aggregator of of, of base data percent, or, or to a certain extent, or a write back for a lot of these systems. But that needs to still be analyzed, and there's a lot of it aggregated in ways that your systems have to be set up to handle. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing is the, the the practice that we're talking to a lot of companies is that they're asking similar questions: is right. okay, well, let's analyze these different spaces and find the one that's most impactful for you. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you already have it because you'd be shocked at how many times we talk to companies who bought a product and aren't optimizing. <laughs> so. I buy a sales engagement product and I just give it to all my reps and, yep. and go use it. And they, that's not really how you act, how you maximize the sales engagement platform. <laughs> um, yeah. So what we see is, and the way we work with our clients is to get them to look at the holistic kind of what's possible mm -hmm. and pick the piece that's most important to you and go get value from that and then slowly build your way out into all the other pieces as necessary so eventually you'll have that holistic approach so it's kind of it's it's we are very early in this in this game um but we're starting to see a lot of a lot of activity around it there are companies acknowledging that this is where they want to go um even though they don't have the suite to actually get there but you're also seeing partnerships form with some of these companies around trying to make that happen so early stage we're we're we're, we're close in terms of the visions there and the tools are there data aggregation analysis and output back to a rep to be able to do it kind of full scale yep it's still i'd say one to three years out okay so i mean i guess i guess in some respects then for for any listeners is that actually now really is the time to start thinking about this talking to the likes of you and, and forrester to help 
guide them on that that journey of what this looks like and where this is going to go. And I'm guessing we're probably going to see some consolidation in the market. You know, could an outreach yeah. sales loft look at the valuations they've both got recently in a pandemic north of a billion dollars. So the investors obviously <clears throat> believe in all of this. You know, might we see some cons consolidation in that space of them going, you know what, we're going to buy the content provider, we're going to buy an intent data and just bring it all into into our space and maybe start to try and take on the likes of Microsoft and Salesforce at their own game in some respects. Yeah, you're, you're definitely, I definitely think you're going to see consolidation in the market. You're also going to see some of these vendors expanding out. So I think what, what you'll see is they'll take a kind of a hybrid approach to that is there are certain distinctly different types of tools, yeah. um, but then there's others that, that you can look at sales engagement, revenue intelligence and go, okay, those two spaces could very easily expand and you can yep. see you can see companies already starting to edge into those spaces but then there's other stuff like the complexity of a quoting platform or the complexity of a, of a cms or a content management system mm -hmm. going and building that from scratch doesn't really make sense yep. so you would you would aggregate and you'd see it i think you'll see it either through acquisition or through mm -hmm. partnership um, so it's uh well, it makes because um, you know I remember this was you know way back when it was um, I want to say Gwen Gwen Stefani it's not Gwen Stefani at all it's Fallon um, Fatemi who recently sold um, Nose to Sugar CRM you know she was talking about this back in 2015 and then we saw last year end of last year C3.AI tying up with Dynamics tying up with Adobe Marketing Cloud to kind of bring this all into to one place to free up the sellers to to sell more but i think you know i agree with you in terms of your point everything is focused on getting the salesperson to sell better not necessarily focusing on the end the end, the end result which is a better experience for, for the customer and you're seeing you know linkedin sales solutions are coming out with a narrative you know now buy a buyer first approach um you know organizations again are talking about we're going to be client centric and this and that and i was, like, I was taught this 20 years ago when all i had yeah. was a telephone that yeah, the customers all you know most of the time always right and they they should come first you've got two ears and one mouth and in, in, use them in that order w will we and I know that your research is, is showing this, that obviously the, the, the buyer expectation is, is changing, but do you think we'll see a flip where we start to focus more, or, even, or maybe even bring the buyer into that buying process of, hey, you buy from us, what should we be doing to make this better for you? We're thinking of getting this piece of tech. Do you think this, that should be useful in terms of how you perceive us or engage with us? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be flipped. I mean, I can, I, an example, kind of an ancillary non-tech example is you're seeing, like, consider the, 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 the idea of a contract environment, right? Where you're, where you go in, you sign a contract with a company and, and you get 12, 18, 24 months. That is the standard kind of practice for SAS companies. They want the contract. The market wants contracts. So you see everybody pushing to, to sign contracts. Buyers don't want a contract. They 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 want month to month, and they want to have they want to have value out of what they're getting. And if there's value, I keep it. If there's not value, I move to something else. No business wants that. No no company would want that level of unpredictable kind of that that unpredictable of a situation. Mm -hmm. But if you look like I do a lot of research also on the compensation side, we're seeing a very big wave of companies being forced into this. Because either, so, and that manifests itself into how the hell do I 
compensate my employees for this because now they're not selling a contract in the future. Now I have to, yeah, I have to pay them, and that changes your model. It changes everything. But that's what the customer in the end really wants. But very few companies want to give that to them because there's a lot that goes into that. It's very dangerous to go that way. But as new competitors come into that space that are willing to do that and take market share. Um, as the environment changes, you're going to see more and more companies forced into that, and that is just going to—that is the ultimate buyer situation, right? I pay by the drink, I get what I want. Yeah. If I like it, I stay. If I don't like it, I don't stay. So it's—that's where—that's where a buyer wants it to go, and eventually they'll get their way. It's just how 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 long will it take for that inertia to kind of kick in? Yeah, I've always thought about sort of set, you know subscription services in that space. But you look at Netflix has just tipped over 200 million whatever is you know subs. You look at Disney ripped all their content from Netflix. Going, hang on a second, we can do we can do this all our, ourselves. And I'm now paying Netflix. I'm now paying Disney because the kids want you know Disney. And as long as the content is is there and it's delivering what I want, I'll I'll stay. And it's a bit like that example of you know Volvo Volvo cars. As long as the car is doing what I want it to do, and I get the service from yeah. Volvo when I need the service. I'm happy to pay a premium because it's doing what I want it to um, to do but you know the the compensation piece in sales is is, is a big nut to crack because you said share yeah. the value and the whole thing you know month on month and quarter on quarter targets we know drives really crap behavior because yes, you get at the end does. of the month you know the buyers wait to the end of the month to the end of the quarter because they know they, they they know they can push the rep on those uh, on those numbers and, you know the compensation conversation in the world of you know, uh, law and accounting, where it's time in line and six minute increments, you know, the same rules yeah. apply. People are like, I don't want to pay for your time. I want to pay for value and service. You figure out how to deliver that to me in the most effective way. It's going to yeah, make, now, make you money, think, right? <laughs> yeah, think of the two examples you just gave with Disney and, and Netflix. Netflix and Disney spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on content. You can cancel their service next week. So literally Netflix is a pay by month service. You can cancel next week. They're banking on giving you good enough content that your value that that their value proposition is is to a level where you're going to keep paying that monthly fee because if you decide you don't like them, you're gone. Which is a crazy model to even think about <laughs> considering you spend $500 million on a movie. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's uh, but then I guess that's where and again why I enjoyed your piece so much because it's like you know it's bringing everything together that whole you know sales and marketing needs to be hand in hand you know the intent the intent data um, piece ideal customer profiles it's kind of it's kind of all all out there. Um, what was interesting, I did a, uh, it was just last summer, so when we were just in the first kind of lockdown with a CX um, chat called Peter Dorrington, he said what he's also seeing is that a lot of companies are having to rip up the rule book because their previous buying data, especially in the consumer yeah. world, was now irrelevant <laughs> because people aren't buying that anymore, aren't buying the way yeah. they used to anymore because we can't, um, because we're here and it's kind of virtual. And I guess the same is going to be happening for marketing teams in the B2B space that were kind of already doing some of this is like, well, now we really do need website visit data because our reps are going out face to have face to face anymore. Now I really do need you know LinkedIn Premium to understand who's looking at my profile. I, I do need all this, but what I find it's the A, I'm just not skilled to even to do this. I don't even know where to start. Or it's the I've now got the data. 
now what? <laughs> now yeah. what do I do to do something different rather than looking at going, oh, that, that's that's nice, back to the, the day job. So do you, do you believe that part of this, and I'm always very careful about using the word um, AI, but we'll start to see, I know like Dynamics, for example, has this intelligent system, you know, Salesforce has got Einstein. Yeah. Do you believe that AI will, will I think I know what the answer is in all this, is, is going to play a part in helping that guided process so the rep literally comes in quasi minority report if you will and they just go through the motions almost yeah it'll be foundation salesperson but i kind of i can potentially see it going that way i don't know yeah it'll be foundational because it allows for it allows for rapid kind of understanding and implementation of information you hear a lot about ai ai is kind of the cliche thing to talk about right now most companies that are claiming ai are doing very rudimentary ai there's very few companies that are really top tier um largely because in a lot of cases B2B doesn't generate enough data to even understand it. So in order for AI to work, you need huge volumes of data. Mm-hmm. You have that in the B2C space, especially yeah. around e-commerce, so AI can be much more effective there. B2B space has a ton of data, but that's where kind of dynamic guided selling comes in. It's all trapped in all these different systems, not aggregated together. So you you can't get, I mean, the classic example, like everyone's known for years that if I can understand how my reps approached their activities, mm-hmm. then I can derive insights from that that'll allow me to better improve how they sell. The problem is, is no rep enter, even if you get a rep entering it, another rep enters it differently, it's just completely inconsistent. Some companies are, are, are they have overcome that, revenue intelligence tools have overcome that by just taking the rep out of it and putting yep. it all directly in the system so they can see it, so you eliminate that as a barrier. Yeah. But until you have that volume of data, AI is going to be hard pressed to, to be effective. Um, we're seeing it in a lot of cases where they're using AI, like some systems are using AI, like when you're on a call like this, mm-hmm. they, as you're talking, it's searching, going through and being able to surface insights so the rep can literally see and use that information while they're talking to the to the client in real to time. better the conversation. Real- so yeah, wow. that exists today. Um, there was conversational intelligence in terms of recording the calls and then go back to that and high performing rep they do or don't say this and for coaching but i hadn't quite realized it got to the point that there's tech out there which can enable a rep in you know in like minority report where you're talking and the stuff on the side is coming up on vision yeah. ar google Glo- so that 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 is that capability exists today yeah that capability exists today the, the funny the funny thing about all that stuff, because everyone gets caught up in the cool stuff about it and what it can do, and it is, it's incredibly exciting. But most companies, when you start having these discussions and you ask them, how do you define an account and show me your account data, show me your how your data links together, it's a mess. Yeah. And none of this stuff works if you don't have a data structure that allows you to align everything to what you're trying to accomplish <laughs> and most companies yeah. fall asleep when you start talking about that part they don't they like the cool stuff they love the, the you know what it can be but then you go well this is all here for you but it's going to give you kind of a jumbled look because your your data infrastructure is so poorly aligned it can't derive insights because it has no way to connect to it and effectively link these things together. 
And that's been true of CRM systems and data for, for eons, for decades, you know, crap in, yeah. cr crap out. It doesn't matter how good or bad the data, how good the tech is, if you're feeding it poor data to start with, it's just going to amplify how bad the data yeah. is in, in, in the But first. it's so boring. Yeah, it's so boring to people that they, it's like, they, they, it's, it's weird how that's kind of taken for granted because it's hard to do. It's not, it's, it's not very exciting. And it, it, it's, it's hard to invest money in that type of stuff because mm -hmm. the, the ROI around it is huge in a macro perspective, but yeah. from a micro, I make this investment and I get a reward, it's nothing. So it's very hard for companies to invest, but you have to, if you don't have a strategy around that and a structure that allows you to, to enable that, I mean, all, all non-complex sales are gonna eventually go e-commerce. Complex sales are gonna be sold to complex, complex customers. Mm -hmm. Like if you take hospital networks, for an example, yep. hospital networks are filled with like 200 different places. Some, I mean, it's, it's just a huge complicated network and they're buying and selling their facilities all the time. If you can't get a handle around that, how do you know what to sell to them? How do you know how to go to market? No, it's uh, it's it's fascinating. So, yeah. um, I mean, I go talk about this for 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 years, and I'm glad that years, hours, I don't know what years, but I'm, I'm what I'm also glad about is that this is the beginning of this this journey, and it's you know great to hear. Um, I think it's going to be reassuring for for listeners that, and, and viewers that, that is the beginning of, of the journey. So, if if an organisation, no matter what the industry is, you know, is serious about looking, you know, looking at dyna dynamic guided um, selling. What would your advice be as a as a starting point? Where do they start to even start thinking about? Okay, we're here today. We want to try and get here in twelve to eighteen months. What might that journey look like um, for them? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is to assess what your capabilities are around these different areas and what would be the biggest impact. Understanding what those are, what is revenue intelligence, what is sales engagement, you know, what, what are these different platforms that are out there that can help me? Do I already have them? Is this a process issue um, and I just need to optimize? Um, do I need to connect them together? And should I, should I, how should I do that? It's understanding where you are and then where you want to go and then taking measured steps. Um, that's where we spend a lot of time with clients yeah. working through it. There's several posts that I've done in addition to the one that that you, that you referenced that talks through myself and, and uh, a colleague of mine, Anne Slau, when we did a presentation at our summit for Europe and for Asia, we talked through the six components and okay. we, have, we have a blog for each one of them that that's accessible for you for for everyone in the audience that that just talks through what what the value is of it what it could be um just start combining that looking together um that's a key piece the other side is you've got to figure out a way to align sales and marketing um and and if you aren't doing and the the, the best way i could put it for a sales leader is right now you have all the internal insights and marketing has all the external the only way for you to be successful is to combine those together. And if you don't find a way to do it, to do that, then it's going to be hard for you to be successful because it's no longer a handoff. It's yeah. a collaborative effort to sell. Selling is a team sport. I think I saw someone talk yeah. around on uh, on LinkedIn earlier uh, earlier today. 
Um, Seth, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for affording me the, the time. Where's the best place for me to send people to find you, to find that, uh, that, that, that blog and, and connect? And if anybody wants to have further conversations about how, how Forrester can support them on this journey, what's the best route to, uh, to you? Yeah, just LinkedIn um, it would would be would probably be the best, or Twitter, LinkedIn or Twitter. Well, I'll make sure I put both handles in um, uh, in this YouTube video somewhere. I'm not very good at this bit yet. Yeah. And uh, for those that are listening, um, I'll put it obviously in the link to the uh, to, to the podcast channel uh, channel there. But um, Seth, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to following you and the team on this uh, this journey because I genuinely believe that this is this is the only way forwards um, for sales organizations in terms of where the future is uh, is taking us. But Seth, uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Great to, Great to be with you. And to everybody else that's listening, as always, um, thanks for tuning in. We've just tipped 3,000 downloads, which is awesome. If you want to be on this podcast, you know what to do. Otherwise, uh, stay safe wherever, wherever you are in the world, and I'll see you all on the flip side.